Well, hello and welcome to Mariner's Library with me, Chris Stanmore Major. And in this episode, we're continuing the book The Romantic Challenge by Sir Francis Chichester. We're on chapter 7, and this is part 18 of the reading. And if you haven't already, please consider going over to patreon.com forward slash the Mariner to help support the podcast, or you can check out the Mariner podcast with all things sailing and seamanship each week, or of course, the Mariner YouTube channel, where you can see gear reviews, how-to videos, and me engaged in expeditions and projects all over the world. Now on with the story. Chapter 7 continued. Shortly afterwards, Gypsy Moth was becalmed for several hours in a heavy rain squall. At 3 degrees, 50 minutes north, she reached the edge of the doldrums. I had to face it, the run south had turned out a complete flop. Gypsy Moth needed at least 20 knots of wind for a straight-line speed of 8.5 knots, with only a 1,200-mile-wide belt where there was a fair chance of such a wind speed, Gypsy Moth had sailed through 600 miles of it, from 20 degrees north to 10 degrees north, before the wind had once touched 20 knots, and on that day, the 24th, I think she did well to make a good fix-to-fix run of 202.5 miles. But now that she had run into the edge of the doldrums, the dart to the equator was finished. At 10.34, the log read, been going round in circles for two hours. The rain had been very heavy for four hours. I could have filled my tank ten times. As it was, buckets stood about overflowing. Three pillowcases, a blanket, a sheet, and also a pair of underpants lay in the best places in the cockpit and on the doghouse where they would get a thorough fresh water rinsing. Periodically, I went to wring them out. I had arranged to call up England at eleven o'clock, which was just when I should be position-fixing. It meant that I might not be able to get a noon sun fix because the sun passed almost directly overhead and it was only possible to get a fix from it in the few minutes when it was swinging from a bearing of due east to a bearing of due west, which it would hold for the rest of the day. At 11.55 I logged, Hooray! Blue sky ahead! But it must be reached quickly if I am to get a position fix today. I will get the sextant and the doings ready in case of luck. Later, noon, a washout. No fix possible. At noon on the 26th, Gypsy Moth had sailed 185 miles in the past 24 hours, and my estimate of the position was 3 degrees, 23 minutes north, 37 degrees, 37 minutes west. If correct, the run was only 159 miles. It was no use moaning. I turned Gypsy Moth onto east by south and kept her as near east as she would head without pinching up too close to the wind. I wanted to make a good reserve of easting before turning round onto north or northwest for a second speed attempt on the way home. I settled down the next day with charts and sailing directions to work out the best tactics for the home run. After analysing the winds which gave the fastest speed on the run down, I proposed to sail on a heading to keep the wind 3 points or 35 degrees after the beam on the starboard side. First, what was the expected wind according to the Admiralty chart? On the run south, the wind ranged from northeast to northeast by east in the narrow belt where its strength was of any value for speed. There was more north in it on the fringe of the 1,200-mile-wide belt. The answer was a sour lemon. I could not start from here. The heading needed to have the wind 35 degrees after the beam and would take Gypsy Moth up the River Amazon. In order to start from close to the equator and sail the heading relative to the wind which I wanted for speed, I should have to sail east right across the Atlantic to the Congo before starting. The alternative was to work north before starting. 
and wanted to start from as near the equator as possible to take advantage of the current. Offshore at the latitude of the mouth of the river Amazon and along the coast of Brazil and French Guiana, fairly close inshore, the current was predicted at 1.5 knots in the Admiralty chart for March. Continuing past Suriname, Guiana and Venezuela to Trinidad, it was predicted at one knot. It certainly was a whale of a current, but I could not make use of it without foregoing running with a pulled-out sail, and the wind forecast was not strong enough to give a hope of success without the running sail set. The best tactics were to tack and head northwards for a day. This would make a big difference to the angle of sailing off the wind, and I should have a clear 1,500-mile run to Trinidad with a good wind all the way. I would probably get involved in the Caribbean islands again, and I did not want that to happen, but in search of speed, I had no other choice. Gypsy Moth was still 120 miles north of the equator, but I decided to proceed no further, either to the south or east. I would tack to the north and work northwards for at least a whole day, and then start the speed run towards Trinidad. So, at 14.20, tacked for home and loved ones, I hope. A whacking great rainstorm just to leeward, and also, I think, another ahead. It looks like a big belt of them. I snapped a sight of the sun to get at least a longitude of the point of departure. These rainstorms seem to last about four hours, which means, if involved in this one, that I shall have no chance of a star fix at nightfall. I could not get a single star this morning because of cloud, and was lucky to catch Jupiter and afterwards to find Venus in a clear patch in the daylight. But at 17.25, I made a thorough bungle of today's operation. Gypsy Moth was chugging along quite happily to the east-southeast, making some hard-to-get easting, and I had promised myself an easy day or two sailing. Then I felt like a real sucker for the opportunity of making easting and northing at the same time with a favourable tack, but landed almost at once in an awful muck of torrential rain and fresh wind, backing steadily until Gypsy Moth was heading more or less for Trinidad, which was just what I did not want, and I did not want to position myself so far to the south. I keep on plugging away in the hopes of getting through the belt of dirt and then back on to the right course. In the end, I could no longer stand the northwesterly heading with its pounding and excessive heel, so I put on the spreader lights and went forward to drop and bag the number one jib. Then I rehoisted the mizzen staysail and close-hauled Gypsy Moth again, still on the starboard tack. After that, she plugged along at a modest five knots, but at least it was in the right direction and without discomfort. By midnight, the wind had backed nearly to the north, and Gypsy Moth was again headed northwest. I was dead against using up westing by heading northwest until I had started on the speed run, so I went on deck again and tacked to the eastwards. At dawn on the 28th, Gypsy Moth was still plugging eastward. I had a look at the main mast from different angles to see how it was taking the strain in the worst kind of conditions without jumper stays. Obviously, there would be much more strain in a storm or even a strong gale, but otherwise, with a fresh of wind up to 30 knots, with the staysail set but no headsail set to the masthead, the conditions were the worst for strain on that upper part of the mast, which the jumper struts were designed to support. From the deck, I could not see any movement in the mast and was relieved, although it was what I expected. The load I would be anxious about was when a big jib and also a big pulled-out running sail were set in a strong wind, the compression load then must be formidable, and the lack of effective jumper struts might cause the mast to bend forward. I would also have to do something about the slide fastenings on the mizzen before the whole sail broke away from the mast. They had been parting one by one. The sailmakers used a short length of broad tape to fasten the slides to the eyes of the luff of the sail, and this tape seemed to chafe through easily. 
All in all, I decided that I would be glad to get away from the equator. It is a sort of no-man's ocean with huge black-grey rain squalls appearing from nowhere, creeping up in a sinister way. It seemed barren of life. I saw only two birds, Mother Carey's chickens, in three days, and few flying fish. The sun being in the same latitude as Gypsy Moth could not provide a fix, though it would, of course, give a longitude any time it was visible. There was no chance of a position fix until dusk, and by then the rain had arrived and shut off the heavens from my sight. At 1300 hours. Today is not one of my best. I feel jaded, depressed, with no vitality, energy or go in me. Of course, everything seems to go wrong when feeling like that, so much so sometimes as to make me laugh. Item. I picked up six eggs, one after the other, which were bad. Item. On throwing one of the eggs out to sea through the companion, after getting bored with carrying them out for a ceremonial burial one by one, I jerked my head in the act of throwing, hit the roof, and cut open my scalp. Item. It never stops raining with periodic deluges, which would make Noah feel at home. With these squalls, the wind mounts to 30 knots. Item. I have not been able to get a sun fix since the 25th of March, three days ago. I had the good luck, though, to snap a fix at 5am yesterday of two planets, Jupiter and Venus. I say lucky because I only saw one star through the clouds all that time, and that was gone before I could draw a bead on it. Item. The boom and lug used to secure the clue of the loose-footed mizzen staysail has bust apart. It is in an awkward place because I must get the sail stretched out to the end of the boom somehow. Thanks be to Bart again for finding me a big hacksaw at L Bluff when I discovered that mine had walked off. I was left with only a tiddler with a five-inch long blade, and I was expecting a dirty job because the last piece of stainless steel which I had tried to hack off, the big runner clue ring on the 4,000-mile passage, had just laughed at this little hacksaw blade and bit lumps out of it. However, I hoped that this boom lug might be an aluminium alloy, in which case it would be easy enough to cut. Item. Nearly all the mizzen sail track slide fastenings have now parted, and I shall have an hour or two works fixing them. I decided to do something about the deck work, but as soon as I emerged into the deluge, it blew up to a gale squall of 40 knots, and I was freshly amazed how cold it was. I could truly say I was wet to the skin, since I had nothing on except a thin oilskin top, and the water soon forced its way under that. The wind steadily veered until Gypsy Moth was headed south. I thought very poorly of that, so tacked and headed north, after which only one slide still held the mizzen to the mast track. All the others had gone from the line of reefing right up to the head of the sail. Fortunately, it was the top slide which remained. I had refastened it at bluff using some of the tarred twine which the trawler men drew from Bart's stores. If this top fastening had parted, the slide might well have jammed at the top of the track and could have caused trouble, so I dropped the mizzen. I felt as if fate was having a laugh at me because immediately I had finished struggling with furling the loose mizzen in the gale and deluge, it stopped raining and the wind eased. Meanwhile, with only one sail left set, Gypsy Moth was rolling like a permissive word and at one and a half knots not exactly dashing along. I dealt first with the jagged bust boom and lug which soared off easily. I then filed the remains smooth enough not to cut the cordage and made a complicated lash up of the clue ring to the end of the boom using the best anchorage I could find. It might not work but at least it is working at present. I felt I had finished all the extra chores which could be expected of me on my Sunday day of rest 
and went below to settle down, but I could not stand the thought of sitting there while Gypsy Moth made leeway westwards, so I went back on deck and dug the number two jib out of the hold to hank it on. In the late afternoon I finished repairing the mizzen and set it again. It increased the speed from three to six and a quarter knots, a great relief because the sailing of the past few days had been the most disagreeable I've known. The log read like a dirge, sails hoisted to be dropped an hour or two later, repeated bearing away in rain squalls, deluges of rain, tack, 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 due to the wind shifting round the clock, and day after day, failed attempts to get a fix. I tipped nine more gallons of water, half of it fresh rainwater, into the big 41-gallon tank on the starboard side, making 12 gallons in that tank. I decided to keep on filling it if the opportunity offered, because Gypsy Moth would be constantly on the starboard tack for several thousand miles, and this would keep her more upright, or to put it in another way, less unbalanced, and she would sail more efficiently. A boat heeled may look dramatic, but its speed is cut down. The position at noon on the 29th of March was 2 degrees 6 minutes north, 34 degrees 6 and a half minutes west, 126 miles north of the equator, with Gypsy Moth still headed east. Getting the fix was quite a joke. The sun, or more properly the spot vertically below it, was moving north at the rate of 23 miles a day. That may not seem much, but it never stopped. It was rather like the tortoise and the hare, with Gypsy Moth as the hare, making good northing of, say, 0 to 150 miles per day. The sun, tortoise-like, did not stop or slow down. On the 29th, it was about 90 miles north of Gypsy Moth. So I took one sun sight and then went on working for only 15 minutes, knowing that the sun was going to whip round quickly from east of Gypsy Moth to west. I had a good pitch for observing the sun before noon, when it was in the east, sitting up on top of the cabin roof and looking forward, I could just see the sun clear of the mast and rigging forward of my position. When I went up only fifteen minutes later for the second shot, I could not get the sun into the sextant's mirrors at all. I scanned the sun through the sextant, across the mirror and up and down. Well, this is absurd, I thought. I must move all the sunshades and hunt for the sun glare in the naked mirrors. It was then that I found that it was now only fifteen minutes after the first sight on the other side of the yacht and over the stern. Although I had known, in theory, that it would be moving very rapidly at noon, it was astounding to be caught out like that. On the 30th, I was able to record that yesterday was a fine day, with the sun shining all day. It was pleasant working in the cockpit in the sun, and I was able to get a sun fix for the first time since the 25th of March. On the whole, though, I think this is a goddamn depressing dump of the world's unwanted weather, and the sooner I get out, the better I'll be pleased. Meanwhile, exercises and breakfast. I've worked out an excellent routine, taking about 13 to 15 minutes, which I carry out while lying in my bunk no matter how much gypsy moth is rolling or pitching. These consist primarily of bending forward to bring my head between my knees, then twisting my torso first to the right and then to the left, and then head between knees again, then back to lying flat on my back. Relax everything. Have a really good stretch, first of all with hands clasped behind my head, stretching one elbow behind my head and with legs held straight lifted off the bunk, stretch the toes of the corresponding foot upward with a good stretch. Then the same for the other foot and the other elbow. Relax everything. Draw in a full lungful of air and when the lungs are full, hold the position while counting 10 while keeping the throat open as if trying to get more air in. In other words, not locking the air in the lung. Then breathing out as fully as possible, 
and after that holding the lungs in the empty position, again with the throat open, as if trying to get out more air while counting another ten. Then I circle the toes of each foot seven times with the leg held straight sticking up about thirty degrees from the bunk. Circle the foot seven times for each leg. Repeat this sequence four times, and at the end of the second time, circling the feet in the opposite direction. At the end of the third time, stretching both toes as far aft as they will go, followed by stretching them as far forward as they will go, and repeating this seven times. After the last sequence, I twist the feet sideways at the ankle first outboard and then inboard seven times. I gradually developed a very complete second sequence of exercises when I was standing upright in the navigation galley space, about ten exercises. What a world of difference they have made both to my physique and to my outlook on yacht life. At 11.30, on the 30th of March, I again tacked for home and the loved ones, and on the 31st of March, at 14.09, I started the speed run. The odd time of the start was due to getting a longitude then from six shots of the sun. The position was 3 degrees 41 minutes north, 33 degrees 48 minutes west. I could only get a meridian longitude because here Gypsy Moth had again caught up with the tortoise sun, and both were now 4 degrees north of the equator. However, an accurate longitude was the important starting line for this speed run westwards. For the latitude, I depended on the dawn fix from Venus and the Sun, which I had been lucky to get then. I moved this fix forward to the 14.09 time of the fresh longitude, working it up by dead reckoning, and from it obtained a satisfactory latitude for the start. The position put Gypsy Moth with the northeast corner of Trinidad bearing 285 and 1,670 miles distant. Therefore, I considered 285 degrees as Gypsy Moth's limit of heading, and she must head as much as possible to the northwards of it, which permitted a polled-out runner to be carried to the best advantage. Then, the line connecting the self-steering gear to the tiller suddenly parted, chafed through. I was expecting something of the sort to happen. I had actually said to myself, I bet something will turn up, because I am enjoying so much this damn good brandy sour after finishing all the deck work. I could not leave the tiller for more than a few seconds because when I did so, Gypsy Moth either jibed or came up hard to the wind with the pulled out sail aback. I had to nurse the tiller with my elbow or knees while I found my lifeline and harness, and then some suitable cordage for a new tiller line, some rope, a knife, and some tape in order to fit the line through the various leads and blocks to the self steering gear. I had pulled out the number two jib as a tryout. Fifty square feet smaller than the 300, its clue is much higher and I rigged a snatch block to its sheet to prevent the clue from bouncing the pole up and into the air and straining it. But after a while, I came to the conclusion that it was just not as effective as the 300. Gypsy Moth was going well, with a relative wind of from 13 to 20 knots on the beam. The speedometer was registering 9 knots frequently. It looked promising for a good day's run. But at 20.45, I have been wrestling with the topsail for about an hour. Something is preventing it from being fully hoisted to the masthead. Unfortunately, I cannot see by torchlight what this is. I tried all the tricks I could think of to shake it free of the obstruction, but whatever it was, it's not budged. The odd thing is that the topsail goes up and down easily and freely to the same point where it always sticks. However, it does seem to be pulling well, though not fully hoisted, and of course there is less healing moment the lower it is. In daylight, I could not see anything wrong with the topsail halyard or track on the aft side of the mast. However, the sail was doing well where it was, so I decided not to hurry to investigate further. Obviously, something was jamming somewhere, and I suspected that the topsail halyard might have jumped off the sheath in the masthead. 
Well, that's all for today. I hope you're enjoying the story so far. The next instalment will be available in the Mariner's Library shortly. And remember, of course, you've got all the content over on YouTube and the Mariner podcast, and of course, Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Mariner. But for now, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, I hope that you're safe and sound, and I look forward to speaking to you in the next one. Cheers. <laughs>